Tom Hart, founder of StagePass, has some great advice on starting a business while you're still in the military. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. This episode is brought to you by Bench Bookkeeping. If you're an entrepreneur, the last thing you want to mess with is bookkeeping. But it is a necessary evil in this world of entrepreneurship. Bench Bookkeeping Relieve that huge burden for me and my business because Bench puts bookkeeping on autopilot. To check out Bench and get one month free of bookkeeping and take that task off your desk, go to veteranonthemove.com slash bench. All right, Tom Hart, U.S. Air Force, founder of Stage Pass and also a city leader with Bunker Labs. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. Looking forward to talking about entrepreneurship and what you're doing. Uh, before we get too far into that, Tell us about what you've been doing in the military. Now, you're actually still in the Air Force at this point, right? Correct. Yeah, still in the Air Force at the moment. Um, active duty, currently teaching at the University of Texas before I transition out to uh, Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so up to this point, uh, I actually did a stint in, in the Army. Uh, and so I was an intelligence analyst for a little bit and uh, found out about West Point through a recruiter. Uh, so they were looking for you know motivated young soldiers that uh, were interested in pursuing uh, the academy as an option. And so I let them know I was interested and, and eventually found myself uh, at West Point uh, studying physics and uh, eventually decided that I liked physics so much that I wanted to cross commission into the Air Force. Uh, very few people do that year to year. Uh, my year group, we had three. And so two really smart other guys, uh, one went cyber and one went mechanical engineering. And uh, I ended up becoming a physicist uh, it actually had to go up to the Secretary of Defense to get approved, and uh, they decided that uh, we were in their good graces. So I'm thankful for that. And uh, the Air Force has been great ever since I've been in. I, I did my first tour out at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I worked at the National Air and Space Intelligence Center there doing R&D on um, infrared sensors. And then uh, they decided that I, I should be an instructor at uh, Air Force ROTC. So I've been doing that the last couple of years, and it's been uh, awesome. Yeah, now... Is your MOS in the Air Force actually physicist? Yep. Yeah, actually. it's uh, So it's a 61 Delta, and that's uh, the duty title is physicist. Uh, it's within the scientist career field, and it's under the acquisition umbrella. So uh, they train us on how to do program management and acquisition and contracting. But my primary mission is uh, R&D mostly uh, and, and bringing uh, creative, innovative new ideas to life, uh, which is right up my alley. Yeah. So I, I think I'm, I'm going to look on the uh, Marine Corps MOS chart. I don't believe <laughs> physicist is on the Marine Corps MOS chart, but I'll have to That's jump, interesting. Jump check on that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have met a few, a few folks over the, over, you know, several decades. Um, it is very uncommon for somebody to go to one, um, one service school like West Point and then end up going in a different service besides the army. But I have met a few others that have done that. Um, so yeah, it's been a special waiver, but, uh, the way I understood it with talking with these folks I'd run into previously was technically whatever the service Academy you go to, you can, uh, cross over and take a commission in whichever service you choose. Is, is that actually, I mean, I guess it's got to get approved, but you do actually have that choice. 
Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are service academies that commission officers. It's just a matter of getting it approved. You know that they prefer for you to you go into the army or the air force or the air force academy, what have you, just because that's that's what they're training for. You know, uh, the training that I received is is much different than the average cadet receives at the air force academy, for example. And so, uh, you know, they would prefer for you to stick in that in that uh, military, but. Uh, you know, it's it's open to anyone. Uh, if you're a cadet listening, uh, <laughs> uh, check with your chain of command. But uh, it's it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, you probably don't want to. You probably don't want to let them like when you're a plebe or your freshman year. You probably don't want to let them know at that <laughs> point. You might want to wait till as as late as you possibly can. Absolutely. Yeah, and I actually had a number of my instructors uh, after I'd found out that I'd been approved for cross commissioning. They uh, they wanted to provide mentorship and <laughs> and try and convince me to go army because I still had a choice up until the day I commissioned. And uh, I had mm-hmm. a, a number of colonels that pulled me aside and said, "Hey, you you should stick this army thing out." Um, but I don't regret my decision, and it's been great. Uh, it's been a fun journey. Yeah, I'm sure that's a I'm sure that's a it's a tough decision to make being, you know, immersed in everything army and trying to tell people you're actually going to the air force. So, <laughs> um, I think what made it more difficult was my now wife, uh, then girlfriend, <laughs> uh, and, and trying to determine what, do I stay in the army? You know, this is going to help for joint spouse in the future. We knew that we were fairly serious, but we, you know, we weren't engaged at that point. And so she was supportive of me making the transition into the air force. And it made the first couple of years, kind of difficult, uh, you know, long distance relationship and things like that. But, uh, now having the opportunity to be stationed together is great. So it's, it's worth it in the end. Yeah. Now, um, you guys are getting ready to move to Hawaii, correct? Correct. Yeah. So she's, uh, going to be stationed at Fort Shafter. She's, uh, I, I know that you're a former, uh, Cobra pilot and, uh, she's actually a Blackhawk pilot. Oh, okay. Great. Yep. R- ridden in the back of many of Blackhawks in my day and uh, escorted them plenty of times in Iraq too. So very oh, yeah. familiar, great aircraft. Um, well, that's awesome. So, um, I guess being stationed in Hawaii, they'll go out and get their flight time. They'll go, they'll go around the Island, go around the Island left, and then they'll turn around and go around <laughs> the Island to the right. That's what we used to do in Okinawa yeah, yeah. all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. And hopefully I'll be on a couple of those flights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that'd be cool. Um, anyways, uh, so how, how was it you got an interest in entrepreneurship and how did you get started in entrepreneurship? You know, it's I actually kind of stumbled into it, but it, it lines up really well with uh, exploration, R&D, and, and physics, uh, you know, especially on the theoretical side. But my job in the Air Force is to come up with new things. Uh, we are the, you know, they have TRL levels in the Air Force, technology readiness levels. And my job is really in the TRL zero to one phase, you know, testing if, if things are actually a feasible idea, bringing it to life. Um, but my, so that, that lines up with entrepreneurship as well, I think, but, uh, I really got to start, I think in undergrad, um, when, when I was, I guess going into my yuck year, which as we call sophomore year, um, my brother also went to West Point. Uh, and so he was a plebe. He had recently gotten out of beast barracks, uh, which is mandatory training, uh, for any incoming freshman cadets. And so after beast barracks, people typically want to indulge themselves. And so my brother, uh, he he requested that I provide him a uh, dip after after barracks. That was something that he was craving. Uh, he had you know uh, chewing tobacco and and dip, and uh, so I you know I got him a, a log of dip, and I, I didn't want to support the habit too much, so I I got a log for him and I gave him two cans, and I didn't know what to do with these other cans. You know I, I didn't I don't smoke or or uh, do uh, dip at all, and so I I asked around in my company. So each you know. 
uh, West Point's divided up into regiments and then companies. And so your company consists of about 100 to 115 cadets. So I asked around my company, I said, does anyone want this extra dip that I have? I'm not going to give it to my brother. I'm not going to support that habit. And they asked me, uh, you want to give this away for free? And I said, well, sure. I mean, how much would you pay for it if, if I asked? And they said, well, I'll pay you five bucks per can. And I bought this at the commissary for um, a lot less than that. I think the log was like $12. So I did some quick math and I said, well, I could recoup my cost by selling these three cans uh, and and basically break even um, and actually make a little bit of money. And I was like, well, if I buy these at the PX or the commissary uh, at the at the price of a log and sell them $5 per can, I could actually make a pretty tidy profit. Uh, and so I started doing that. I just, I would go up to the, the commissary, the PX uh, on the weekend and come down with like uh, 10 logs of, of different uh, dip. And I, you know, started making a nice little profit uh, just selling within my company. And I eventually scaled that for my, my sophomore year to my senior year to like doing massive runs over the weekend and selling thousands of cans of dip um, at, a, at a nice profit. And so, you know, we, we got a stipend as a cadet, but this actually financed this, this more than doubled uh, what I made as a cadet. Uh, so it was really nice to have that extra cash um, while I was there. And that kind of began my foray into entrepreneurship. I, I, I saw what was the possible um, and, and it was, it was really exciting. It was fun. <laughs> okay. That, that's crazy when you think about it, especially like at West Point. I mean, the, like bootlegging tobacco yeah, at West yeah. Point, that could be the title of this episode. But, yeah. And, and um, you know, technically it wasn't really uh, authorized within the barracks. They, you know, they banned tobacco uh, use in the barracks. And so mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was really, really funny. Um, I mean, 80% of cadets at West Point dip tobacco and I just wasn't mm-hmm. one of them, but so there, I mean, there was a huge, uh, user base there and, uh, it, it was funny because I didn't have to do any marketing or anything like that. I would have people from the opposite side of the campus come by my, my, uh, my, my room, uh, after class or after sports and, uh, you know, just pick up a can. And it got to the point where I would just leave out a, a little tin, uh, where people would drop their money and take what they wanted. And, uh, you know, cadets are, are uh, you know, they integrity is a core value at West Point. And so I didn't have to worry about theft. Uh, it was a great environment to, to be able to test entrepreneurship and, and get a taste for it. Wow. That, that's like totally fascinating to me that, um, and, and it, like word never got around to where like the instructors, the professors got word. And then somebody like, you know, brings you, in for <laughs> you know, funny you mentioned that because, uh, I actually, so we had, uh, tactical officers and NCOs, uh, that, that ran each company. And so, it got to the point where my tactical NCO would actually purchase dip from me and instructors that were on <laughs> SDO for that night. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, SDO instructors would come by and they say, I, I hear this is a place where I could buy some dip. And, you know, um, that's, that's, <laughs> I, you know, I, even though they were aware, they didn't really do anything. So it was kind of funny. So they didn't sell it in like the school store or anywhere nearby. So on your, on the weekends you would just go, you know, however far the nearest commissary was or the exchange was yeah. it just load up yeah it was i mean at west point it's it's literally up a hill that's it um you know you have to walk two it's probably two and a half miles but it's it's up a hill um steep incline like you'll you'll be drenched in sweat by the time you get up there especially over the summer and uh people just didn't want to make the trek so i, I profited off of their uh off of the utility of bringing it down from from the commissary the px it was really that close that's crazy yeah, but yeah, because uh, I know guys have done this on the boat. You know, like in the in the Navy, Marine Corps <laughs> guys will load up a Footlocker. You know, when they're getting ready yeah. to kick off a deployment, and they'll have whatever. You know, sometimes it's just 
food and snacks and candy bars or what, and yep. make a killing off of stuff. But you know, there's no <laughs> other when you're out on a ship. There's no other no other place to get it. So it made a little more sense. But um, anyways, that's uh, that's crazy. So. So where did you take it? Uh, where did you take it once you uh, graduated from West Point? You're in the Air Force. W- what happened with your entrepreneurial bug from there? So from there, I, I just started working on projects on the side. Um, you know, I, I, I built a little uh, social media network. I kind of learned to code. I I, um, I did a boot camp that took about a year. It's called Block. Um, they taught web development and full stack development. Um, so, you know, learned, learned the bare basics and, you know, did a couple of projects through that and then just kind of, uh, started doing my own projects. Um, and it, it kind of grew from there. Uh, after a certain point, I decided that I wanted a more formal education. And so that's when I got involved with Bunker Labs and I, I volunteered or at least applied for their veterans and resident residents program and, uh, was accepted to that. And then I got accepted into, uh, the university of Maryland's college park, uh, masters of technology entrepreneurship. And so I really just wanted to learn more listening to podcasts and, you know, reading books about entrepreneurship. It just really became a big fascination of mine, uh, just the, the possibility um, of, of being an entrepreneur and bringing uh, new things into this world that you, you create in your mind uh, were, were uh, fascinating to me. And so I think in 2015, I started a, a social media network that I, I didn't really agree with by the time I finished develop, developing it, um, but it allowed you to take various social media profiles and consolidate them into this one uh, anonymous account. So where you can see all of the comments that other people made on Facebook and Twitter and by porting it into this social media feed, basically uh, you can comment and only your friends can see what you comment on. So you can have a sincere discussion and you don't associate people with uh, various political ideologies. You don't associate them with anything really because it's just an anonymous comment. But then I decided that it, it can get a little uh, wild if uh, if I were to pursue this uh, anonymity anonymity type social network, and so I, I I decided to end that before I really even tested it. Um, and then you know after that I around 2016 I guess I uh, I had a kidney stone, and so uh, those were really really painful, and I, I wanted to see a doctor and couldn't really get to see my nephrologist or a urologist in time, and so I thought well it'd be really cool to have on demand healthcare. And uh, especially for, you know, veterans that maybe they can't see their primary care doctor, they can't see a specialist. And so I built this platform to to help people get access uh, to, to health care, but you just pay out of pocket. So if, you, if you're not covered, um, you know, you can find doctors that would offer discounts for you paying up front because, uh, A, it's helpful for them because they don't have to request reimbursement from insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, B, it's, it's super convenient because you can check reviews online and, you know, book someone instantly. Um, so I started doing that and um, kind of pursued that even more in Austin uh, before I realized that uh, I didn't have the time <laughs> to to go out and talk with the individual doctors to convince them to join my network. And, um, you know, business partnerships are difficult, I'd say, at the very least, to get in, in, uh, involved with at the, in the healthcare space. Um, so I brought on a co-founder in that project, and uh, we did a number of things to try and get it off the ground. But uh, you just require a lot of capital, especially for, you know, HIPAA compliance and things like that. Um, and then, you know, had a friend here in Austin that told me that he basically tried to do the same thing and, and he worked on it for a period of two to three years, uh, to no avail. And this was a really, really smart guy. Uh, he went to the Air Force Academy, um, started a, you know, couple of, um, businesses that he had, he had exited for, um, you know, seven figures, 
Uh, so I, I really respected his opinion. He, he told me that right around the time I was thinking about ending that, that project. And so I, uh, I decided to, to, to go with him and, um, and then moved into stage pass. I got audited by the IRS. Yep. For the first time ever, I got audited. Matter of fact, it's still ongoing for the year 2016. At first, I was real concerned about my books and all the information that was required by the CPA to get through this audit. Then I remembered I'd started bench bookkeeping a while back. I frantically went into my bench account using the bench app on my phone to see if I'd started using bench before 2016. Huge relief. I'd actually started in 2016, but I'd had bench go backwards to the beginning of the year, so everything was covered. When we were able to immediately provide all the required information to our CPA, he was very impressed with our bookkeeping organization and our records. I just smiled and thought, well, it's not really that I'm very organized or anything. It's because I have Bench. (laughs) That's why. So with Bench, even an audit from the IRS became no big deal. I will never be without Bench. I believe that once you try Bench, you won't ever be without them either. So right now, you can get one free month of bench and see for yourself how great they are. Go to veteranonthemove.com bench. Check them out there. Sign up. Use them for a month. You'll become a believer. You don't even have to enter a credit card number or anything like that. Just use them for a month, and I, I guarantee you, you won't want to be without them. All right, back talking with uh, Tom Hart, Air Force veteran, uh, still in the Air Force, West Point grad, Army veteran too. So, um Hey, before the break, uh, you were talking about you actually set up that medical platform, kind of a cash medical platform, but um, it just and, and you you met up with somebody that had been that was way down the road on the on really the same thing, uh, way down the road from you, and convinced you just to you know pull away from that. So, um, you want to talk a little bit about? You mentioned that you had gone through the veteran in residence program with uh, Bunker Labs. Oh yeah. Uh, before we get to talking about Stage Pass. Did you use your uh, your medical platform? What, what was the uh, vehicle you used while going through the veteran in residence program? Was it the medical platform or was it stage pass? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, the medical platform, and uh, it you know it showed great promise early on, and uh, you know just you know found out what I did at, at a certain point in time, and that was actually around the time that I started my uh, master's program, and the the first semester of the, your master's program is all about determining whether or not this is a feasible industry, whether or not your idea is feasible based on uh, market considerations and doing a lot of research, to be quite honest. And so after about, I don't know, I think I wrote 40 to 50 pages on that business model uh, over the course of that semester. And I realized that it was a dud, <laughs> um, you know, I, that I should have done more initial research uh, because when doing uh, an industry analysis, you determine what the, what the weak spots are, what the blind spots are within the industry. And I, I realized that there were a lot of other competing products and companies, um, particularly focusing on on what I was offering. That was my value proposition. And uh, I realized that there were a couple of, of squishy spots in uh, healthcare that could be addressed. But at that point, I had been working on it for 18 months, and I, I was ready for something new. Uh, and so I decided to to develop something different. And uh, uh, stage passes were. Uh, you know, that's, that's around the time that stage pass was born. And so tell us about stage pass and, you know, where did you come up with the idea for stage pass and what does it do? Well, so yeah, it was, uh, so I came up with the idea while I was in grad school and 
um, you know, I, I always listen to podcasts and, um, you know, I'd been listening to a number of podcasts so that was heavily influential in, in what I was thinking about at that point in time. And there were, there were a couple of times when I was listening to a podcast and I was, I was thinking to myself, it would be really, really cool if I could just reach out to that person and, you know, um, offer them $50 or $100 to, to have a, a video conversation with them, a video chat, a Skype call or a Zoom call. Um, and, you know, you could make it even more interesting and make it an auction. And that way they would benefit, you would benefit because you could ask them, you could tap them, tap their expertise, you could pick their brain, um, and it would be really cool. So uh, the original ideation was that this is just a, a Skype on demand and uh, did more research. And as a part of this master's program, they required us to uh, do extensive investigation into whether or not people wanted it. So you had to do customer interviews. And so 60 or so customer interviews at, uh, later, uh, I find out that people don't really want that. They wanted uh, more of a marketplace where you could find experiences and they didn't just want a video conversation. They wanted more options. They, you know, a lot of their favorite creators or creatives, um, they, they want to experience more than, than just a, a conversation. They want to get to know them better. They want to have coffee with them or they want to do something fully immersive um, and kind of visceral. And so after reflecting on, on the conversations that I had, uh, you know, 60 plus hours of, of research, um, I decided that a marketplace would be a better option to where the creatives can, can create their own experience. And it can be anything from a conversation to one cool experience that's on the, the marketplace right now is um, there's an audio drama podcast and the voice actor has set up an experience to where he stays in character. And so you can talk with that character as if you're on the show which I thought was awesome. Um, and so these experiences can be created and they can be anything. They can be online, in person, uh, anywhere. Um, you know, just specify that in the experience um, and people bid on them. And you know, obviously the, the highest bidder wins and, and then the creative can sort of coordinate how, how to accommodate. Um, but that way you're, you're getting the most value out of it on the creative side and, and for the, the consumer, the audience member, uh, they're, they're getting what they want, the experience that, uh, that is, is most desirable. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was the sort of development and, uh, and that's where it came from. And, um, yeah, so now we're just continuously iterating. I think the, the next phase of development is going to be a sort of ticketing system to where, uh, creatives can provide online experiences and just sell tickets at a flat rate. If, uh, you know, they wanted to host a, an event where they answer Q and A or, you know, they, they address as many audience members as possible. But the idea is now, instead of it being a one directional conversation, now you can have a two way back and forth. Um, and, you know, if you don't want the if you don't want the entertainment to end at the at the end of the audio drama show or say your your podcast, for example, if they want to you know, go beyond the stage, that's that's where we come to the, into play. Well, that's interesting. Like, do you have any other examples of things that are offered uh, people that are things people are offering or experiences that people have done? Yeah. So, um, you know, some other offers include, uh, so we're, we're primarily targeting podcasts right now because I feel like podcasts are the most intimate medium and you really have a deep connection with your audience mm -hmm. and, uh, the audience, you know, they, they, they listen to your podcast regularly. Um, you know, you're in their ear. Uh, it's just a really intimate form of communication. And so, uh, primarily targeting podcasts. And so we've recently partnered with Blueberry, uh, the podcast hosting company, to offer our services to their hosts. Um, and hopefully that expands in the future. But um, so right now we've got some cool experiences, but they're all related to podcasts. 
Uh, one of them is you can you can participate with a podcast review show and be a co-host on on their experience on their on their podcast and experience and and, and uh, review your podcast. So it's kind of meta in that regard. So it's it's like you would go on their show and review your show with them, provide input on your perspective, and hear what they have to say about your show. So that's that's kind of interesting. Um, and then let's see, there's there's an experience where you could effectively do on-the-job experience. So you get trained on how to be a producer for a podcast. So if you're looking at entering the the industry or becoming a, a podcast producer or an executive or um, whatever may interest you, you, you can bid on that experience and effectively get on-the-job training. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about paying for that that training, but uh, I mean, you're, you're getting insight on that show. So if, if you admire the show, if you listen to it regularly and you want to see how it's produced, um, you know, that's the ideal experience. And uh, still kind of waiting on more experiences to populate. We, uh, so it's a fairly new uh, application, a fairly new uh, platform. And so we've, it's really only been exi- in existence for, um, you know, four months or so. And so this, this partnership with Blueberry is, is uh, we'll see where it goes. It's, um, it's about uh, 10 days old. Well, it's, it just, we just got the partnership up and running this month. And so, um, yeah, so I'm excited to see how it progresses. And I, I've gotten some really good feedback from creatives and, you know, podcasters that they're excited to, to offer experiences. And so now it's kind of talking with them and seeing, uh, what they could uniquely offer to their, to their audience that would interest them. And that, uh, would be exciting. Yeah. You know, this sounds very, very more, you know, like right brain, creative, artistic, uh, type project that you wouldn't really normally expect to see a physicist behind. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've always considered myself to be a creative person, um, and you have to be to, to think about things laterally in, in physics, mm-hmm. um, because you know the, the new things that we implement on sensors that are on orbit, or um, you know, on, on lasers, or you know, experiments that you design, you have to be creative to do that. Um, and so, thinking of new ways, and it's it's really just connecting dots. You know, everything exists. It's just a matter of identifying things that could be synergistic and, and pulling them together. So uh, the way I communicated this idea over the first couple of weeks was this is like Airbnb experiences meets eBay. And I'm not sure if that's an accurate depiction or a good <laughs> analogy, but it's, you know, it's just coming up with existing technologies or existing algorithms or uh, physics equations and, and, and pulling them together. That's it. It's like um, Loon Shots. I don't know if you've, you've read that book by uh, yeah. Safi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Safi. Um, but uh, that's a, that's a great book. That's, that's what it's all about. It's, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's just bringing ideas together. Now, did somebody lead you or guide you into this idea, or did it was it a pivot off of your uh, your your medical uh, healthcare idea? I was just completely new. Um, I mean, I, I love the idea of marketplaces. I love the idea of creating mm-hmm. um, you know value out of thin air and and bringing people together. So that's that's what's really appealing about marketplaces. But um, you know, this this had a completely different spin. Um, you know, I, I thought that people would really go after the, uh, the video chat <laughs> and I was, I was kind of amazed when people told me that's not what they wanted. Uh, so I guess it's about getting feedback and, and kind of reacting to that. Now, how did you approach, um, how did you approach stage pass that idea differently than your previous idea that more, you know, more or less was, it was a flop, the, the, the medical services idea after pouring yourself into that for 18 months or more. And now you approach stage pass from scratch. 
Definitely, yeah. So was, I think the, the first thing helpful. Uh, it was, yeah. I learned so much actually. So there were a couple of failed business deals uh, that we we tried to get going uh, with the, the medical startup, and uh, we we'd gotten you know ninety percent the way through the, the these partnerships, and and uh, you know I learned a tremendous amount about you know business dealings and partnerships and and expectations and managing those. Um, and, and so that was, that was really, really educational and it helped me to navigate how I wanted to pursue business partnerships in the future and kind of how I wanted to run my business, um, after having a co-founder and, and, um, so that was, that was extremely informative. And, and so there were a number of things that I, I did differently as well. Uh, when I started stage pass, I, you know, right off the bat got, got feedback from, you know, potential users on both sides, from the creatives to the audience members. And occasionally they were both. Um, and just, you know, talking with them about uh, if they could envision themselves using this um, once once it's developed, would they be interested in, in being a, a user? Um, and it's, it's really, really uh, a good sign when when people say that they want to use it because it interests them enough. And then they actually follow through with signing up once it's live. Um, and so, you know, if people are telling you that, um, you know, this is something that they, they can't live without or uh, this is something that they can't wait to use once it's implemented. Um, and then they do, that's, that's a really good sign. Um, you know, with the other marketplace, uh, I'd had people tell me that and then not take the time to register or, you know, give me feedback, but then not even, you know, spend a, uh, you know, the time to, to visit the website. And so being able to contrast those two reactions was really, really helpful. And then understanding that, you know, I have to take it very slowly and methodically, um, so that I can scale it and get feedback and continuously iterate. Um, you know, those are things that you just, you, you learn from, from each of these experiences. And, uh, so I was able to incorporate those changes into stage pass and, um, you know, take the, the knowledge of, well, it's, it's just really, it's all feedback. I mean, sure it was a failure. Um, but, uh, I, I was able to learn, uh, so much faster than I would have been able to if I were studying it and, you know, uh, and, uh, a master's program or, or, uh, yeah. or, you know, anywhere else. All right, so uh, so Tom, um, you and I actually ended up on this podcast interview as a result of our affiliation involvement with Bunker Labs. Uh, you actually went through the Bunker Labs Veteran in Residence program. You're a city leader for Austin, Texas. Um, I'm a new city leader, city leader for Kansas City. And now that you're moving to Hawaii, uh, you said before we started the interview that you were going to be standing up a Bunker Labs in Honolulu, which is awesome. So can you go back and tell us a little bit about your experience going through the veteran in residence program with Bunker Labs and how your, your involvement and connections with Bunker Labs and what that experience was like? Absolutely. Yeah. So veterans, veteran residence was one of the best experiences that I've ever participated in in the last couple of years. Uh, there's a couple of reasons as to why. Um, and you know, people always say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And when you're spending time with other entrepreneurs that are doing their best day in, day out, hustling and grinding to get traction, to, to grow their startup um, or, or to scale if they're already successful, then you become you know, an average of that cohort. And so to be a part of 10 entrepreneurs that have shared experiences, that uh, know what it's like to you know, have been in the military um, and, and to be driving towards that, that shared goal of success um, it's inspiring. So entrepreneurship is very, very isolating. You never know if you're doing the right thing 
Um, and every decision you question. I mean, if, if you're self-aware, you kind of question, is this the right decision? Uh, and, and, you know, when, when you get uh, either you, you receive a failure or, you know, get feedback that you don't agree with, um, it's, it's kind of devastating. And uh, when, when you're operating in a vacuum, it can, it can be very emotional. And so you want to have people to bounce ideas off of. You want, you want to have shared experiences together. You want to be able to uh, collaborate and, 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 uh, yeah, have camaraderie. And so, you know, having those veterans together, um, to, to see and share different perspectives about, uh, you know, different industries, different startups, um, and to learn because, you know, it's, uh, entrepreneurship can be applied across so many different verticals and industries. Uh, you know, the things that you can learn, um, a lot of these, these lessons that you learn are agnostic to industry. And so being able to see what they've done, and try and replicate it in your business, or maybe you've done something successful that can be applied to another business is just incredibly helpful. Um, and just to have a sounding board, like you know, there's so many reasons why uh, veterans and residents was, was valuable to me that I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And especially in Austin, um, I'll give a shout out to Jonathan and Sabrina, if you're listening, uh, they are amazing. Um, and I think that they've since been promoted out of uh, city lead and, and central Texas lead. Uh, they're now like a Southwest lead, um, but better. Um, I mean, they they've really created the framework for Austin's bunker labs to be to be successful. And, uh, you know, their guidance and, and leadership was uh, was critical to uh, to my experience. And, uh, you know, the city leads made it possible for me to learn. And now I feel like it's it's absolutely necessary and required for me to give back, um, you know, hence the uh, volunteering to, to be a city lead out in Honolulu and I look forward to everything that, that comes from that. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, just being a part of a cohort like that, especially with shared experiences, you, you can't put enough value on it. Right. Yeah. Entrepreneurship can be very lonely and sometimes there is no feedback loop, uh, as you're going through that process or, you know, like you throw your product out there and no one buys it. I suppose that's a feedback loop, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, there's, <laughs> there's no way to improve upon that. So that having those other, people around you in various stages ahead and behind you and with you, um, provides, you know, definitely a feedback loop that most of us in the military are used to having every day and you get out, of, get out of the military and you're on your own. Um, it helps replace some of that. So, um, Hey, uh, Tom, we are getting close to the end of our time here, actually going over a little bit. I want to give you the last word. Um, first of all, how do we find any information on stage pass? Yeah. So if you want to check it out, we're on Twitter at your stage pass. Um, the website is, uh, yourstagepass.com. So www.yourstagepass.com. Uh, and then, um, you know, reach out to me at the Tom Hart on Twitter, uh, if you're interested and, uh, follow us on LinkedIn or wherever you prefer. Um, but I'd be happy to help if, if, uh, you're interested in either hosting experiences or if, if you're interested in, in bidding on an auction, um, reach out and I'll, I'll help as, as much as I possibly can. And finally, so since you're still in the military, maybe you can speak to those folks that are listening, either the military member that's still in or a military spouse where their spouse is still in. If they're looking to get into entrepreneurship and start a business while they're still in the military, what kind of advice would you have for them? I'd say uh, don't think about getting out because um, when you make decisions out of fear, you make bad decisions. And the military offers one of the best security blankets you'll ever have. And so if you think that you need to get out to start being an entrepreneur, I would say stick it out for as long as possible because having that stable income, um, a paycheck that you know where it's coming from every month, 
uh, gives you the confidence and the security to continuously make good decisions about your company. Um, and then just do what you can with the time that you have. Obviously, there's considerable constraints with being in the military. Obviously, you have field time and deployments, but continuously stick it out for as long as you can um, because it gives you that security that you need to succeed. Um, additionally, tap your resources, go to Bunker Labs, uh, find communities where you can be successful, find you know either co-founders, people that you can rely on, uh, look into virtual assistants because those are incredibly helpful. Um, there are a lot of resources out there that can help you succeed while you're in um, and so, I mean, uh, stick it out as long as you can. Um, you, know, you retired at, at 24 years, uh, Joe. So, I mean, it's like, uh, you know what it's like to have security and a cushion to, to, to rely on. It, it allows you to make decisions that you would, you would normally not make if you were in a position of either, uh, uh, fear or, or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. needing to make a decision quickly. Yeah, I, I definitely have, have a comfort factor and a, and a security blanket in there built into that. So, um, yeah, other people have different opinions, especially the younger you are. Like if you're real young and you're just like, I'm out of here, I got to get out of here that, you know, don't be staying for that. But, um, if you're well into your career and you think you want to go start your own business, you don't need to get out of the military just to do that. <laughs> so, uh, that's great advice. I, I'm not sure anybody's ever actually put it that way, but, uh, yeah, that's great advice. So, well, Tom, we're, we're out of time. Um, I appreciate you sharing your entrepreneurial story. Uh, It's been fascinating and we look forward to seeing your future success. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.